Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So hello and welcome, this is our Charlton Live Player of the Year dinner special for 2017-18. We're coming to you from the North Stand Lounge here, live from the dinner. My name is Louis Mendes, joining me here at the Valley is Terry Smith. How are you doing, Terry? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, Thank you. you. Yeah, I'm in a good mood, looking yeah. forward to the playoffs. Yeah, why not? Is... Well, I don't know about looking forward to, but... <laughs> <laughs> Three days away. But... Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. and uh, the nerves haven't uh, haven't reached fever pitch yet, yeah. but I'm expecting it. Yeah, and uh, also joining us here is Nathan Muller. How are you doing, Nathan? Living the dream. Still got all your underpants with you? I've no idea what you're talking about. Oh, I can explain it if you want. <laughs> no, we'll swerve that one. Yeah, no, I'm really, really good, mate. Looking forward to Thursday. Excellent. He's sitting very close to me, so I'm glad he's got a pair on. <laughs> and uh, also joining us here in the North Stand Lounge is Tom Wallin. How are you doing, uh, Tally's man, Tom? Yeah, good. Yeah? And uh, you, you enjoy the Rochdale game? No. No, no one did. <laughs> but it's done, isn't it? Yeah. It's it, 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 stuff, so it, it, it did get to a stage maybe, maybe about 10 minutes in. I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. I want to go out tonight let's just get this over and done with and then, and then we the can, players were doing as well yeah, right? yeah and then we can go out and enjoy ourselves and that's a, that's exactly what we did so of course we're coming to you uh, from the player of the year dinner later on during this show we're going to find out who the 2017-18 uh, player of the year for Cholton Athletic is also we'll find out the young player of the year as well and hopefully we'll be able to get a chance to, to have an exclusive interview with them uh, later on in the evening but whilst we're sort of uh, gearing up for the, the evening to really get going we're going to talk about uh, Saturday's defeat at Rochdale very briefly because it doesn't really matter but more importantly of course we're going to now focus on the fact that Charlton have qualified for the League One playoffs we've got Shrewsbury coming up here at the Valley on Thursday evening so that's something that we've got to look forward to and uh, try and work out how, how Charlton are going to play Right, uh, first things first, I did say we will very briefly look back at the, uh, the game against, uh, <laughs> against uh, Rochdale. So let's have a quick listen uh, to, to how it went down. Davis goes out to the left and Doan who swings the ball into the box where Andrews is waiting. Thompson's there as well but he'll drop to Rafferty. Rafferty hooks it back across. That's uh, Conza with a header. Out to Andrews. Andrews back to Davis. Slam shot and it's in! What a Thompson I think is it for the final touch. And the crowd go wild. What a massive goal for Rochdale. The circumstances doesn't change anything from a child point of view. They'll be bitterly disappointed with the way the goal happened. Just support the defending. There might have been a foul in the penalty area as Thompson with a little push came down to Thompson, the substitute, who rifles home for Rochdale, who are now out of the relegation zone as he stands. It's a great story, though. Joe Thompson, who had cancer, been battling cancer could give Rochdale the goal that could keep them up from their point of view it's great Charlton point of view they switched off bitterly disappointed with that but as it stands of course Charlton are still in that playoff spot no need to panic Rochdale, uh, sorry Plymouth losing 4-1 still to Gillingham and I think uh, Greg Stubbley's commentary there right at the end where he says there's no need to panic we're still in the, in the, in the playoff spot sort of summed up our entire performance really there was no need to panic we knew early on that, that Gillingham had taken a the lead they, were, they were, were pegged back by Plymouth but then they did go 3-1 up and I mean 
by the time the second half went 4-1, then you, I was on the beach if, officially. If they had a beach in Rochdale, I would have been on it. Talking on the way up, and even in the days before, about uh, uh, you know what would happen if uh, if Plymouth got an early couple of goals, would we uh, would we really start to panic? What would be the feeling like? Uh, and exactly the reverse happened. Yeah. <laughs> Gillingham went a couple of goals up early on, and we're thinking, uh, oh, actually, we can relax now. And I'm you know, look, I don't think anybody will admit it necessarily, but I think the players would have been hearing that score certainly at half time. They would have known, mm. uh, and you can't blame them for. Um, for relaxing. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jacko certainly did admit it, actually, in the, in the interview in the tunnel. I don't know if anybody had seen that yet. So. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, Jack Jacko said that we, we chunk players knew what was going on elsewhere. Um, that sort of um, helped Lebo choose what subs to make. Jake Forster Kasky came off early. You know, it's fair to say we were quite clearly playing within ourselves as well. Yeah, I think so. And I, I mean, obviously, when it started, um, I was ner- nervous as obviously I was on Thursday. And then as soon as obviously the goal went in from Gillingham, it, it started to start to think, well, maybe this is going to be our time and we're going to get promoted. But like you say, we brought. J- uh, JFC come off and stuff and obviously you got the little cameo from JJ which was mm. nice to see just a nice little yeah. 10 minute um, appearance but um, yeah it wasn't the greatest can't remember can't remember us having a shot or unless two officially oh right we I can't, had, yeah, I can't really remember them yeah. though we had, we had a couple of sort of half shots I mean yeah. Boskowski had a free kick and went over he had one that mm. was deflected just wide but I mean mm. it, it, was, it, was, it wasn't really that sort of day where you really cared what was going on, did you? I mean, because because we knew we we knew we were fine. Rochdale was still battling for everything, and you know, we you want to save yourselves for what's coming up now, because when we've got two massive tests coming up as well. Yeah, and and you're spot on. I think when as soon as that goal went in at Gillingham, and you think right, Plymouth have got to score as however many they had to, and obviously we had that let off early on in terms of Rochdale not getting the early goal. Um, yeah, everyone just sort of relaxed and. It just it had an inevitability about it where we knew we were going to get to the playoffs and I, I, we knew, what, 10 minutes in and I just think ev- everyone then, I mean the fans had a great day out, I thought the atmosphere was great but the players seemed to know as well and they all switched off and it was just, yeah, like you say, just kind of coasting through and protecting themselves a little bit. Mm. I think the only player who didn't switch off was Jason Pierce. <laughs> I don't think he's got an option. He's not got an option. No, he hasn't. And uh, that bit by the corner flag, where they are holding it into the corner, <laughs> yeah, he, he was, was in there. He was trying to kick him up in the air. It was just <laughs> Yeah, and, and obviously uh, Nathan mentioned their special mention. We, we were hoping it was going to happen here last week when, when everyone was uh, at the Valley for, for, for Jacko. But he got his 499th appearance on the pitch. A little cameo at the end there. And uh, just seeing him uh, walking out onto that pitch, and I'm not going to say for the last time because he's no. he's dreaming of a, a 500 foot Wembley. But to see him out there once again, you know, for, for one of the last times, was a really special moment for everyone who travelled. Yeah, and it was nice that we were able to to relax to a point where where he could do that. You know, and mm. it's a shame we couldn't do that uh, the week before as well. Uh, let's hope we can do it uh, either uh, and probably not on Thursday, but uh, certainly the, the return leg or even. The, the game after that, if there is one, <laughs> hopefully when there is one. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah okay. Now, of course, um, of, of course, the, the the other reason Saturday was special was not from a Charlton point of view; it's more from a, a Rochdale point of view. They, you know, it's quite it's actually quite exciting um, hanging around uh, in, in in Scotland after the full time whistle went because they were waiting on the Oldham result. Oldham needed to drop points for for Rochdale to stay up with their victory. The Oldham was at two two, and they were five or six, seven minutes perhaps behind our game. So there was a long old wait after after the final whistle went. And uh, I mean, the, you, could, you could cut the tension with a nice. I think I, I think I tweeted like, I'm feeling the tension. <laughs> yeah, Realistically, agony. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. And it was agony um, because you're feeling it for them. And everybody had their eyes on the uh, on the broadcaster who was listening in. It was the BBC to, Radio Manchester guy, yeah. Uh, and I don't know if he was doing it deliberately because I was watching it on, uh, on um, 
on the app, the score app, and I'm pretty sure it came in as the f- full time. But I thought, well, I won't, I'm not going to say how can I say? <laughs> and uh, so I'm pretty sure I knew the score, unless this thing was lying. Mm. Uh, and he kept it another two minutes before he actually announced well, it. Well, he was no, building his part. Well, then when I watched back on Sky, I, I watched the, the coverage. It turns out the um, the players, the Rochdale players, had a feed in the tunnel. So the ones that weren't in the huddle on the pitch, there was three or four of them in the tunnel watching it with Nicky Jose. So they they had a live feed, so they knew. I don't think. It was a delay. Also, I noticed on the score app, I was looking at the Coventry Morecambe score because I was hoping Barnett was going to stay up. And that one said full time. Full time. Yeah. And then changed and went back oh, to playing okay. again. So I think those score apps can get it wrong. Now, of course, the man who scored the winning goal, I mean, one inspiration, uh, Joseph uh, Thompson, is come back from cancer twice and, you know, save the day once again. Yeah, and it's, um, it's lucky for us that because Charlton didn't really have any part to play in the game on Saturday, it was nice that we were able to enjoy that as much as they could I guess and yeah I remember seeing the story on I think they were in their FA Cup coverage because they got a couple of big games didn't they in the FA Cup and they were on telly and heard all about him is it twice he's had cancer mm-hmm. yeah. recovered twice and then to come on I mean it's fairy tale stuff isn't it it's the equivalent of us getting that Jacko winner at Wembley mm-hmm. in a few weeks so it's just incredible for him to have to go through that twice beat it twice and then score the goal that effectively keeps them up it's just amazing for him and, and as I say because there was nothing that you know, it didn't cost Chart on anything, luckily, and it meant that we could enjoy it as well. And it was, yeah, obviously brilliant for him. Now, when the the, the full time whistle went, so we, we were lucky enough to get to speak to Lee Bayer after um, Tell, and you know, I mean, I spoke to him. He's, he he wouldn't, he didn't really have much to say about the performance. He said he, he knew we could have done better, but he said after what those players had given me over the last ten games, and he didn't really want to pick up on anything, did no, he? No, he didn't. I think the crucial part of the whole interview is when he said, um, uh, I think I can't remember how I framed the question now, but. Um, it was pretty similar, you know, are you going to have to pick the boys up? Because obviously they're going to be disappointed in losing, most players are, after a defeat. Uh, and all he said was, I'll guarantee you, you won't see that performance on first <laughs> Yeah, and that, yeah, when he said that to me as well, a little, little smile came across my face. Because, I mean, you'd understand why the players were not going at it full throttle, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, because... If you're going at it full throttle, and you know it's so easy, you know you say it easy in the game to pick up a knock or you know pull a muscle, um, and they're going to be out of potentially, you know, well, t- to some players, to the biggest game of their career so far, you know, someone who's not really experienced it. So especially playing at Wembley, um, so yeah, I, don't, I can't fault the players. Like Bo said, the last ten games have been absolutely incredible, but and I agree with Bo's. That, that won't be here on Thursday I can guarantee it especially if we get a massive turnout which we're all hoping for so but yeah no, we're looking forward to it but um, yeah still nervous mm-hmm. yeah very nervous indeed right let's have a quick break here on, the, on Charlton Life we'll come back in a minute and we, we will start to look ahead to the playoffs if you can stand it because <laughs> I'm getting nervous just saying those words Charlton Live Table number three Jason
So there we go, we just heard the players being introduced to the, the room here at the uh, the Player of the Year. Johnny got superb uh, ovation in particular, as you'd expect, uh, Johnny Jackson at the end there in, in his final year as a player. And of course, Lee Bowyer, I mean, what a job he's done. Ten games, he's been here, five points off the playoffs we were, and he's, he's, he's done it for us. Best start of any manager at Charlton, and uh, he promised us we'd get in the playoffs. He said we'd be in the top six, and we were. Yeah, and as, as the MC just said, I mean, if he promised that we're going to win the, the Champions League in the next two years, you'd be leaving it, wouldn't you? You'd be booking your tickets to stay somewhere. I'm booking my flights now, they'd be nice yeah. and cheap. <laughs> yeah, the only problem is we don't know where the final is, so just book them somewhere in Central ah. Europe. And I knew we'll, there'd be a floor. Yeah, and then we'll be, then we'll be able to travel, travel there from wherever it is, of course. Um, now, uh, this is the player of the year dinner but it's a bit of an unusual situation in terms of that it's not at the end of the season for us because we've managed to get into those playoffs and uh, you know it's, it's all well and good you know getting into the playoffs but they don't think about the fans health do they because now now we're three days away uh, from from one of the biggest games we've had down at the valley for years now you know you think about the, the last playoff semi-final we had here against Swindon was a second leg obviously this is a first leg but you know you, you You've got to try and get some sort of advantage to take to Shrewsbury away, and you know, so it's it's it, all the fun of getting there now has just been taken over for me by this massive nerves. Yeah, I think I mean uh, we was talking off air um, in terms of obviously the playoffs itself, and I think since Bo's come in, we're a lot harder to beat. I think we've only conceded five goals, I think maybe or something like that um, since he's come in, and I think if, as long as we don't lose the first leg, I'm quite confident of actually. Get, get into Wembley um, but I think that's why Thursday is going to be absolutely huge um, you know in an ideal world we'll go there with 2-0 so we can sort of breathe a little bit but I think it's going to be quite cagey so it's, mm. I think the Thursday is going to be massive and we need to get some sort of result here for sure mm. I mean Nathan mentioned 2-0 there I mean we might be getting slightly ahead of ourselves there but yeah. I mean what sort of lead do you need to, to get from a home game to take into that away leg because I mean you, you go there 2-0 up you don't know how to set up surely I mean, do you go defensive and try and see it out do you go and try and nick a third and risk letting a one in anyway yeah it's really difficult to tell I think when you when you look at the two games we had against them this year they've been chalk and cheese and partly down to the managerial changes and stuff but we really weren't at it when we played them here and over there we put in one of our typical battling Bowyer performances so if we can get a performance like that both times this time which Bowyer's promised us and as we said a minute ago everything he's promised so far has happened I don't think we'll have any problem with them. I really don't. The problem is if we have an off day. Mm. Um, if that's the case, like you say, even even if we were to win here 3-0, you concede an early goal there and it's not guaranteed. So, I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily the score that's that important. If we put in a good performance here and, and get a one-all draw, there's no, no nothing wrong with that either because we've shown we can go away to the likes of them, the likes of Portsmouth, and get results. So, it, you know, it's difficult. You have to kind of take each game in isolation and not worry too much. If the first leg doesn't go your way, you've got the second leg to put it right. So, how much do you read into the form that both teams have shown at the end of the season? So, obviously, Charlton have won six of the last ten since 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 Bowyer's come in. Only lost lost three in that time. Now, Shrewsbury, since they lost the EFL Trophy final against Lincoln, I think they've only won one in the last six. I think you normally you'd say. Well, I think. The only time that really the form goes out the window normally is at the final. I think in the semis it's still relevant because we've you've seen years before and in playoff semi-finals in years before um, the team that's on a roll tend to, to, to do the best in, in those circumstances. Now um, I think uh, the first legs also, also always fairly cagey as far as I remember. So I, I don't expect any different on Thursday. I think it will be a fairly cagey affair and I, I wouldn't ex I wouldn't mm. be surprised if it's quite tight could be a draw 
or, or at least one team wins one on because you get to the second league and then it's another cup final then it's it's all about who wins on the day then and just at the back of your mind Nave, do, you, do you worry about the fact that we lost on the last day I mean they also lost against Milton Keynes and it does show teams surely weren't going at it full, full pelt because we knew we knew we were pretty much there they've been safe in the, in the playoffs for a long time they thought mm. they might have had a chance of of, of automatic so you, you, surely you're not going to read too much into the, the fact we lost at Rochdale no not, not at all I think if, if you looked at the game as the whole um, for those who were there you could t- you could tell that not that the players didn't want to win of course they did, they're still professionals but you could probably tell them they've probably shaved off 10% of what they usually would have done because like you say Thursday's a bigger game in the grand, grand scheme of things and yeah, it's going to be it's going to be difficult. I mean, I looked at the bookies earlier, and they're all every each of the four teams are all quite close together in terms of winning it, um, which goes backs up Terry's point about it being very cagey. It could be a draw first leg, but I wouldn't read too much into it. You can't read too much into. It. I mean, Shrewsbury their form dipped a little bit, but they still got what how many points did they end up having? What 80, 87 points? So they're still a good team. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just who's got who can hold their nerves. I think. Yeah, oh no, I was just putting a theory out there the, the other day, Tom. That perhaps you know we we know how strong we play. We know what their strengths are. They, they were really physical here at the Valley. You know, organised as well. But you know, playing arguably, you know, that that hard for a, a long campaign where they were overachieving throughout the whole the whole time. Do you think that's maybe just slightly taken out of them? Am I just sort of guessing here and hoping that that's going to be the case? No, I don't think so, because when you look back at past times, there, there's plenty of teams that come into the playoffs third uh, and struggle, and the team that makes that rush, that breaks in at the last couple of places, tend to do very well. So it's a pattern we've seen playoff after playoff. I don't think that means we can take them for granted. We, you know, they're up there for a reason and they've had a fantastic season. But as you say, both, I mean, the, the work that Boya puts our players through as well, both teams have worked you know, really, really hard. And we heard today saying you know, they're not going to be here late because Boya wants to get them home and get them rested, ready for Thursday as well. So, yeah, it's, uh, look, it's the same every year. It's exciting. You, you never really know what's going to happen in the playoffs. And form, to a certain extent, does go out the window. And it comes down to whoever can hold their nerve and, and perform better on the day. And, and as I say, when we perform on our day, I think we're arguably the best team in the league you look at Blackburn we've beaten them you look at Portsmouth you look at Shrewsbury on our day we've beaten all the teams up there barring Wigan and even there we put in a good nil-nil draw so I think on our day there's there's no one here that we should be scared of mm. now we spoke to Jacko in, in the tunnel after, after the game of Rochdale of course he was talking about uh, well, he was asked about, I think you asked him about the fact that we've won up there recently and obviously we lost here against, against Shrewsbury in February but Jacko said if there is an edge to be gained, you will gain it by winning the, the, the more recent tie. So, do you think that would just be sort of at the back of Shrewsbury's mind? They think they've they, they you know got given a bit of a, a test by Charlton when we went up to the New Meadow yeah, a few I, weeks I ago. I think they probably underestimated us a little bit um, in the return uh, game up there because uh, they they absolutely battered us at our place um, in the first game. But I think you have to remember also that uh, they were without Beckles that day up at uh, Shrewsbury, who was uh, probably their best player down here when they when they beat us. Uh, and Wally went off injured on, on mm. half time who was also one of their best players now they're both back so um, it's going to be a different story again because they've got a pretty much a full strength side probably to pick from so you know I think um, I think Tom's right if, if we play to our potential then we should be okay mm. it's whether or not we can play that well for the next two games and if we play that well for the next two games then fine it was interesting, wasn't it? When you, when you think about the difference about the two games, where the, where we were the home team, we came absolutely flying out the blocks for the first five minutes or so, uh, still under Carl Robinson, of course, and then 
Paul Hurst changed things up slightly and, and they just found a sort of a, a change in, in within his team and then Strasby quite comfortably defended against us and then started to, to create chances and score and, and look dangerous. Now, if you look at the, the, the other game, the, the, the away leg, it was very different. We were, you know, defensive. We were, in fact, in that first half, I remember away from home thinking we weren't keeping the ball well. I didn't think we actually played that well in the first half other than just defending well and not giving them chances. But then after we'd worn them down for, you know, up until the last 20 minutes, that's when we started to go forward and start to create our chances. So it'd be interesting to see how Lee Bayer tries to set him up I mean, you'd assume as the home team on Thursday that we're going to try and come flying out the blocks. But when we did that in the first game, Paul Hurst found a way to stop us quite quickly. Yeah, and that's, I think it's a good point in, in terms of how Bo's going to do it. Because I think the home game, I wasn't at the away game, but the home game, I remember they pressed us really high. Mm. Um, and we didn't seem to know what to do. So we just kept trying to play it across the back, trying to play it to our midfielders. And they were crowding us out and, and we didn't really have a plan B, so, so to speak. So... It'll be interesting. I think we will have to take the initiative and take it to Shrewsbury. Um, obviously, being the home side, but I think without going too gung ho, I think. Mm. But now, I mean, I've been talking about this for weeks now because we know that. I mean, the, the latest update we've had on Tariq Fossu uh, is that. I mean, Lee Bayer said during a press day, I think last Thursday, that he, if he is going to be fit at all in the playoffs, it, it will be to come off the bench in the final. So that. Unless that changes, it sounds like we're going to have to do without him, particularly for the semi-finals. I mean, how big a miss is he? I mean, if you look at the players that we're going to need to step up in his place, you've got Mark Marshall, who's been really hard working, but perhaps going forward hasn't quite found what he needs just yet. And you've got Suli Kaiko, unfortunately, he's been a bit of a disappointment so far. Yeah, Fosu would be a huge miss if he's not able to play, which it sounds like that's the case. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to win tonight, but that's purely down to his injuries, because when he has played, he's been one of our best players for sure, especially going forwards. I think Marshall... Uh, is the one for me um, he's just gone from strength to strength and I'd be happy with him as a replacement um, obviously got Reeves you've got Mavadidi up there as well uh, Kai Kai again I know the whole squad was slightly off it the weekend but again did nothing to impress me similarly with Zyra up front so for me you're looking at Mark Marshall you're looking at Ben Reeves you're looking at people like Jada Silva putting a good shift on Saturday again got in some good attacking positions so we're going to need to rely on the likes of him as well Joe Rebo obviously came back as well at the weekend and, and played okay in a game that, that nobody stood out. So but we've got other options. Obviously, Fosu is a huge miss to any side, um, as is Billy Clark, who we've obviously had out since around Christmas time. Um, but, you know, that, they're the cards we dealt, and we've got to play that hand. Um, we've got players that are able to come in and do a job in, in place of him, as we've shown in some of the more recent games. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big loss, but not one that we can't overcome. Got some rest into some vital players on, on Saturday as well. The likes of Josh McGuinness and Nikia Jose didn't play. Jake Forstikaski uh, came off early as well. I'm sure there's, there's plenty of others as well. So, I mean, that, that could be really important. It, show, I mean, it, it does show that Lee Bowyer was very much planning for Thursday because, you know, it's something we've talked about as well in terms of the quick turnarounds. That the Bowyer's always talked about the Saturday-Tuesday games are really hard to work with. So, Saturday-Thursday... It's a slightly longer gap. It probably messes up your routine and your structure slightly as well, but it's, it's, it's something else they're going to have to learn to deal with. I think his big issue will not be uh, the Thursday game. It'll be the Sunday game. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, players will have enough rest in them, I think, by Thursday to, uh, to not have a problem with that. But uh, to turn that around for the Sunday, uh, the following Sunday, but Shrewsbury in the same position. I mean, if, uh, if both sides who are... Uh, um, we know that Shrewsbury are a physical and, uh, and high-pressing style of uh, play because we saw it uh, down here so they'll they'll try and emulate that and try and do the same so they're going to put the same sort of shift in that we're going to have to do so you're probably <laughs> by Sunday I think by uh, 
sort of midway through the second half on Sunday, I think every single player would be on their knees. But <laughs> if, if both teams play the way they normally play, yeah. So right, you'd, uh, have you two got your tickets sorted for the? I've got the home one sorted. Is that was it? A be- was it easy? Because I've seen a lot of people moaning uh, yeah, about I've, it. I'm on. no problems at all. Yeah. I've sort of done. I've done mine on the train on the way back from uh, yeah. from Manchester on um, Sunday. But yeah, it was easy. And then obviously, I think the away ones are tomorrow. So yeah. you sorted out your ones, your tickets. Yeah, yeah. again, I had no problems at all. Yeah. Just logged in, and there was my season ticket, yeah. and it said. Do I want to? It was reserved for me for two days, and I could just buy it. So yeah. I know some people have had issues, but no, it was easy enough for me. Yeah. I mean, what sort of crowd do you, do you expect we'll get down here? Because if you think about the the, the, the game against Swindon, I think it was probably about eighteen thousand we had that, that, that season a few years ago. Yeah, it's, diff- it's difficult. I mean, because it's a Thursday night, a lot of people could come from work, maybe. But I don't know. It, you know, I don't know what the if people think about kids and stuff. I don't. Is it half term at the moment or anything? Or no. so again, I don't. know if It's going to be a late one. But I think maybe something similar to Blackburn I'm hoping for whether or not it is or not I don't know because it's a night game but I'm hoping similar to Blackburn same atmosphere you know the fans were great again on Saturday uh, Sunday rather or Saturday can't remember which one it was <laughs> Saturday. Saturday. Saturday Um yeah so I just I really I don't know about Shrewsbury I don't know if they'll bring because they've got 3,000 haven't they you were saying mm. to you don't think they'll fill it out do you well, it's a tough ask isn't it on a, on a Thursday uh, on a Thursday night to come down from Shrewsbury and uh, you know we, we found at, uh, at Rochdale uh, travelling back from from Rochdale even on Saturday wasn't wasn't great. So um, how easy it's going to be for for Shrewsbury fans to get here um, and back on Thursday is a debatable one. So I don't know. It'd be, I, don't, I can't remember. Did they sell out the the end in the league game? I don't think. Yeah, they did. not quite. But it was football for a five. So you never know. Lot, yeah. It's possible. Now um, I was interested uh, also yesterday. I was watching back the the Sky coverage of the the, the Rochdale game, and we were watching the. Uh, the, the post-match chat with uh, Stuart McCall, obviously the, the former Bradford City manager, and he was asked for his pick out of the four that have gone into the playoffs, and he went for Rotherham, which I found interesting because obviously I've only seen him play twice, and both times they got beat yeah. by us. Now, so I mean, in- interesting that the way that a manager who, of course, has played against these teams throughout this season before he got let go, uh, that, that he would pick them. I mean, when you look at the, the four that are, or the other three that are in there with us, tell do you have like a one that you think or they stand out as, as, as someone who might be a big I problem. mean, if you, on the face of it, you'd say Shrewsbury, wouldn't you? That would be the would be the side that people wouldn't want to face because they're so far clear uh, at the top of the pile, the top of the, the four, if you like. Uh, but Rotherham uh, supposedly um, got the uh, got the, the form, but I'd, I'd say Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe mm. in the last six games haven't lost any of the last five. They've only drawn they've only drawn one and, and they've won um, four. So if you looked at the form guide. Of the last five games, mm. you'd say Scunthorpe was the team that, uh, it was, that you it want was to avoid. In, it was interesting with Scunthorpe that when um, they, they did have that that long winless run uh, until they came to the Valley, that was their their first win in nine or ten, and possibly only their second in about fifteen or sixteen at the time. Um, and even then, they did they sacked the manager, wasn't it? Yeah, they, yeah, they sacked uh, Gary Alexander. They didn't actually look that good when they came here and beat us, but they've clearly improved since then. Got that result against Plymouth in, in last midweek that, that made our lives a lot easier as well. So, um, I mean, yeah, Rotherham as well would have that little bit of a run. That's the other thing to point out that every team other than Shrewsbury, who are possibly even having one now, have had a bad run at some point this season. I don't know how normal that is for. Uh, the teams that have been in the playoffs, and you look at even look at Plymouth, who were knocking on the door. They didn't. They won one game in the first like three or four months mm. against us. You know, the, the amount of teams that have got in after having bad runs is quite interesting. It just shows the quality of the league, and it's something we said a few weeks ago. It's, it's such a poor standard this league, and Blackburn and Wigan ran away with it. Shrewsbury are up there points-wise as well, but 
nobody really apart from those two sides for me is impressed I mean when we've lost games I'm so frustrated because we've really let ourselves down to lose a lot of the games we have as, as I say probably aside from Wigan here when they beat us comfortably and uh, yeah for me the league's a poor standard and that just shows I mean Bradford went on a run where they didn't, lose, uh, didn't win for ages and, and eventually dropped out of it but everybody else up there has had bad runs and has still managed to stick around and like you say even up until our game against Portsmouth they were still in it Plymouth were still in it up until the last day and as you said they didn't win for the whole part of this mid, uh, early part of the season we had that poor run so, so everyone has had it. it it's a poor standard of league but again you've got to be in there and we're in it now you know it's like buying a ticket to the lottery we bought the ticket we're in there now it's now about getting the job done mm-hmm. I know Terry doesn't like doing predictions but just in general for all three of us I mean if we, so we're looking ahead to Thursday now what, how, how do we see the game going do we see it being a very similar one to the home, home league game against Shrewsbury where they come out and stop us or, um, or do we find a way around them today I, th- I think yeah I think, I think our, our performance will be better than the home game because I don't think it can get any worse than our home game because we're really poor um, but yeah I, I think it's going to be quite nervy I, no, I don't think it's anyone's going to obviously want to make a mistake. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think thinking about it, you know, obviously in my heart, saying we want it in a two-nil win, but I, I agree with Tell. I think it's going to be a nil-nil or one-all or something. Um, but I, I just I find us difficult to beat, so I fancy us away from home as well. But mm. I don't know. We'll soon see on Thursday. I don't know. how I'm going to cope, but I'll find a way <laughs> tell, somehow. Yeah, tell me now. Without going completely for a prediction, I mean, how, how important is it, for example, that we take a lead to, to Shrewsbury oh, in your mind? It'll be fantastic, but as I think I said earlier, the um, the away leg will be another cup. To, well, it will be a cup final. Uh, it'll be a cup final before the final, because uh, whatever the score is here, now unless we actually one or the other side tonks the other one four or five nil, it's going to be all on that Sunday game. So, uh, I mean, I'm hoping I'm wrong, and I hope we do tonk them. In the first leg, it'd be great to go up there with a huge lead that they that we can just protect. Mm. Uh, I suspect it won't be like that because we don't tend to to beat anybody five or six nil, do we? So <laughs> uh, I'm expecting if we can get if even a couple will be great. But I'm I'm with Nathan. I think it'd be a cagey one, and uh, wouldn't amaze me if it's a draw. But if we can sneak a one or two nil win, that'd be great. Tom, yeah, Tom. cagey and nervy game. I think I'd I'd be more than happy with a draw. Um, I think it's important we score first at home. I haven't seen us on too many occasions where we've gone behind, managed to, to come back. Um, so, yeah, I think we need to score first. I think the crowd will help, whatever the size. I think it's going to be a passionate crowd. And we've seen the atmosphere that the fans have been able to create, not only away from home, but the home game against Blackburn was absolutely unbelievable as well. So, yeah, I'm expecting a nervy game. Hopefully the players don't, don't feel the nerves too much and can get themselves ahead. And then, as I say, if we did get pegged back for the draw, it's not the end of the world. Right, so the, uh, the dinner has been served here. And the value, all the guests and the players are currently sitting down enjoying it. It looked like a bit of beef, actually. It looked quite nice. Um, so they're, uh, they're, they're enjoying it. You were staring that. at it rather jealously, as I it was, was, actually. <laughs> yeah, it did look quite nice. I've, yeah, I've, had, a, dribbling. I've, I've had a sandwich <laughs> from Sainsbury's, which should, should suffice me, I thought, but it turns out not, because there's <laughs> lots of nice food hanging around. Right, uh, we'll have another quick break here on the uh, Charlton Live uh, Player of the Year Dinner 2017-18 podcast special. Charlton Live. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live, our Play of the Year dinner special. We've just had here at the Valley the Community Trust Awards uh, dished out. Um, Jason Pierce won uh, the award for the player that's done the most within the local community. So it's a well done to, to him for that very important award. Kim Dixon got an award as well. So great to see uh, the, the, those people recognised. Right, obviously we are here at the Play of the Year dinner. Um, we've, we've been caught up in the fact that we are still in... In, in, in the promotion hunt of course with the playoffs but we do need to talk about the fact that it is play of the year and therefore we need to try and pick one um, now I've been banging the drum for Jake Forster-Kasky for a little while now he was, he's been my pick 
um, <laughs> over the course of the season. Um, but I'm interested to hear what, what you guys think. So I'll start with you. I'd make you right. Actually, I, would, I think if if I was going to pick, um, and and I would have voted, I did vote for Jake Forster Caston because uh, over the season probably he's been the most consistent. I think Jason Pierce, who you just mentioned, I think if he'd have been playing the whole season, I don't think there'd have been anybody else mm. but Jason Pierce for, yeah. for the player of the year. Uh, equally, you've got uh, Ben Amos, who's uh, again, especially recently, uh, maybe had a, a shaky start, but certainly recently he's been outstanding. Ben Amos, mm-hmm. so he would uh, he'd be up there or thereabouts, um, and Jada Silva, who uh, yeah. uh, who's been uh, superb every time he plays. So um, there there are a few contenders, mm. I think. I mean, in Tariq Fosu in particular, there's you think the amount of players who yeah the mm. amount of players who goes into that bracket of if they'd had a full season because of injuries, um, they'd be right up there. And you think about how good Fosu's been before he got injured, and then when he came back sort of early on in. In, in 2018, I remember, I remember saying to my other half, we're going towards the game, and he was on the bench against Warsaw, I think it was. Mm. And we were drawing 1-0, and I sort of said, if he if, if he was to come on, don't expect anything too much, because he's coming back from injury. He came on, changed that game, and just started where he left off. So, I mean, players like that, who, if they didn't have these lengthy injury spells, you'd think there'd be there'd be so many contenders. Yeah, no, and exactly. And Fosu's been, I mean, obviously he went through that patch as well, where he just seemed to score every time he touched the ball. and. He did have the, the injury spell, which obviously put him out in stride a little bit. Um, but I agree, I, I agree with Tell. I think Jake's been, for me anyway, we've been the most consistent. Um, but like, we, we can always pick different players at different stages of the season, and that's why I went for Jake, because he seems to have been there all throughout. But mm. it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Tom, have you, got, have you got a personal pick you would have gone for? I mean, unless I start naming people like Nabi Sar, I'm only going to agree with what these guys have said. Um, <laughs> I think my first pick would have been Forster Kasky as well, um, but I mean, like De Silva and Amos are probably the other two front runners. I would say those three over the whole season. But I think Billy Clark and Tariq Fosu probably would be up there if it weren't for injuries that have kept them out as well. So look, I think yeah, it's going to be out of them three for me. But I think you could make an argument for those mm. two as well, really, and probably Jason Pierce as well. Second half of the season, the work he's done, and again his season was hampered by injury too so he's another one that's performed very well in his role as captain this year so um, yeah it's nice to be able to have this discussion because the last few years we've kind of been slim pickings and looking around for people but this year I think there's quite a few people we could choose from yeah I was going to say this is definitely the first year I can remember coming to the dinner where I didn't know already who'd won and you know, not not because I've been told, but because you just knew you knew who who was going to win. And this year, it's completely up in the air. Which, in a way, suggests you know, just say we've we've had a pretty decent season. Now we've had a hugely disappointing run in the middle of that season, but at the start and at the finish, then we've certainly got some decent players, and that's why people are going to feel a bit more confident going to the playoffs. But you know, it's that age-old question: where would we be if we hadn't had those injuries? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, uh, there's a few questions in that. You know, where would we be if uh, if Bowyer had taken over about uh, five games before or or ten games before, uh, if uh, if there hadn't been that turmoil with uh, uh, proposed takeover, uh, and therefore uh, Robinson maybe uh, wouldn't have had his um, his attention diverted elsewhere. Would he have Would he have uh, got us to this position? Who knows? But um, yeah, I, I think could say the same last season as well, Jason. When, you know, we weren't the same side when Jason Pierce wasn't playing last season either. Mm. So I mean, and I think this season it's it's worse because both him, Tariq Fosu, and uh, uh, are the two that stand out with the injuries. Uh, Billy Clark, as um, Tom mentioned, was outstanding before he got his injury, and I think we've really missed him. Mm. Really missed him. If those three had stayed fit the whole season, 
I don't think we'd be talking about playoffs. Mm. Now, if there was uh, an award handed out for most improved player, the, the sort of one they hand out at like kids clubs and stuff. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, I mean, there, I was just thinking there'd probably be a couple of, of options for that now. And, and you're looking at someone like Nabi Saar, who you think about if, when he first came here two, three years ago. With all due respect to Nabi, didn't play anywhere near the level that we'd expect uh, of a Championship player. And then he went out on loan, and when he came back, I was thinking I wasn't think, wasn't expecting much. Now, I'm not saying he's come back in and he's as good as Pierce or anything like that, but he's certainly improved. Now, and the other one I've gone for is Carlin Ahern Grant. Now, obviously, he's ended the season unfortunately on loan at Crawley, so we, we haven't seen the very best of him. But I thought in spells this season, I remember him playing away at Oldham in the four-three, where I thought he actually looked quite handy before he got injured and taken off then he had that little run of goals where he got a few um, it's sort of in the FA Cup and, and the League Cup and of course he scored that incredible equaliser in the 2-2 comeback against Peterborough um, you know, he's, he's been a much improved player as well and he's gone on to Crawley and banged in loads of goals for them so you know, if, if, there, if there was a player who you perhaps has been an unexpected um, but, you know, better, better than expected that you've seen this season which one would you go for? Um, I'd, I'd, go, I'd go for someone different I'd go for Dick Steele just because um, he came in He's sort of an unknown quantity unless you sort of followed it, you know, the the youth at a you know a reasonable level. Um, I thought he was more of a DM when he was coming through, but he's slotting in at right back, and you know every time he's played, he's he's put a def- decent little shift in. There was a home game, I can't remember which one it was, um, but I think he's been improved. But yeah, Carlin Ahern Grant, he did start, you know, started us last year, and he's gone on to Crawley and do better things, but. It'd be interesting to see if he's in the fold next year, but I'd probably just go for Dixfield just because he was. I, I didn't even expect him to be in the fold, let alone play the amount of games that he has. I think if you if you don't look at it as a a thing that you you know you're awarded as a kid and you see it as you've got to be bad to start with and therefore improved. Someone like Joe Rebo this year, as an improved player this season, has been tremendous because yes, he came in last year and he played a few games and he looked good, but this year he's added goals to his game. He's learnt to kind of take games by the scruff of the neck and drag us through games. He's, his forward running is so much more improved. And, and as I say, he's coming from a good place because he was good for us last season as well. But I think the improvement he's made this year, if he can continue to do that, I mean, I'm sure there's already, he's on Premier League radars already. But the, the improvements he's made this year have been amazing as well. I wonder if you can even speak about Jake Forster-Kasky in that bracket. Then when mm. you think about where he was in the middle of last season, he came in in January. I think he had, he had a bit of an injury as well. So he was sort of in and out. But then towards the end of last season, started scoring these goals and funnily enough that was all credited to Lee Bowyer coming to, to help out the, the midfielders towards the end of last season and at the start of this season as well he's got he's got a handful of goals they've dried up a little bit if you're going to be ultimately critical but I'm not really going to be because I've, like I said he's still my, my, my player of the season personally and I think he's done superb but you know, if you, if you look at the players that have come in and improved under and you know, I've given credit to Carl Robinson for this as well but you know under the likes of Lee Bowyer since he's come in and started coaching you know it, it added to the fact that since he's taken over as manager they're showing, showing that behind the scenes as well we, we've, we've got these improvements since Bayer's come in I'd agree and I think uh, the reason perhaps his goals dried up a little bit is because he was having to fill the void of uh, Ahmed Kashi uh, in that sort of battling defensive midfield role that, uh, that we desperately needed and he's, he's added that to his game so um, I'd, I'd tend to agree with that, that, that statement even Patrick Bauer when you think about it mm. who's always uh, always had yeah. everybody used to say about Patrick they used to love him as a centre half but he always had a mistake in him uh, well, he seems to have cut those out, apart from yeah. the slip, which you can't really blame him for. Yeah. Um, at Wimbledon, uh, you can't really uh, have that done as a mistake. So, um, you know, and he's, he's formed that partnership alongside uh, Jason Pearce, and, and they look rock solid now. So, um, I think, 
It's a difficult one because under under Bowyer, everybody seems to have improved. Mm-hmm. Now, as uh, as a, a separate award, we're going to start dishing out our own awards here on John. <laughs> I've decided. So, I mean, if you have to go for a new player this season, so someone we signed in the summer or in January, uh, if you had to pick pick the best out of that, you could, you know the likes of Billy Clark, Mark Marshall, Ben Reeves. Uh, there'd be others in there as well. Of course, the lone players that have come in throughout the season. You've got one that sort of stands out as the one who's who's really impressed, and then there may be perhaps one that's come in and and not quite hit the heights that we were hoping for. Well, I think you could probably say that of, of a few of the, the new ones. Ben Reeves took a while to settle. Mark Marshall, probably because he was asked to play a completely different role than the one he was used to playing, uh, took uh, probably took longer than we'd hoped to, to settle in and bed in. Uh, I think probably out of all of the new ones that came in, Tariq obviously was the, the high-profile one that, that flew as soon as he started. But I'd, I'd go with Billy Clark. I think mm. um, I think I don't I, I don't think we can overestimate. The effect his injury had on us, us as a side, especially the way we were playing in yeah. that four-two-three-one. Now, I, I just wonder where Clark would have fit into a four-four-two actually, unless he played as more of a just off the striker. Yeah, he but to, it is, yeah, it was so important for us in that early part of the season, and that would explain why some of our form dropped off. Because I mean, obviously, a lot of fans were critical of the four-three-two-one formation as the season went on, and we weren't winning with it. But when we were winning with it, we were playing some really nice stuff, and he was integral to that. Yeah, I think with, with Billy, um, as, as he, he proved in the earlier part of the season, he was that. He was that little pivot in between the midfield and the strikers when he was always getting into the little pockets, where, which I think sometimes Ben Reeves does do that, but I find Ben Reeves drops a little bit deeper sometimes. Um, and I thought that our, our link-up play without him in the team, it just meant we were going too direct sometimes and just hoping to get the knockdowns. Where, But I think we've all said on the show before how instrumental Billy was, um, and the guys have already echoed, echoed it already, saying if he was fit for the whole season... Probably Billy would probably be in that top four player of the year because he just showed how much of a great player he is. But Ben Amos is a newcomer as well, isn't he? So that's what I mean. It's harder to pick now, as you said earlier, Lou. For the last last few years, we were maybe getting one or two, whereas this year you could possibly say it's between four or five. Now, Tom, of the lone players that we've had this season, obviously we've had quite a few. Um, you know, Ben Amos, uh, Jada Silva, the star, Michael Zyra has been in there. We've got plenty more than that as well. If you had to pick one of those that. If you were given a blank cheque button and you could told you can have one of these players for next season, which one would you go for? Uh, ben Amos. Uh, it would have to be him. I mean, look, De Silva's fantastic, but, but Page has shown that he can do well in that position as well. Um, Jairo, Kai Kai haven't done enough for me, but you know, no discredit to Dylan Phillips, by the way, because when he's come in, I think he's done OK, but we need a senior goalkeeper at the club. Um, and Ben Amos, for me, has gone from strength to strength. Uh, as I said on the show the other day, we spoke to him around the Bradford game when we won 1-0 and... He was just on the cusp then of being that keeper that we were a bit nervy about to actually being a very good keeper and he kept us in that game. And he's just built from there and he's pulled off some saves towards the end of this season that have certainly kept us in the playoffs. So, yeah, if I could only pick one, it would be him for certain. Now, right, another one, another, another one we're going to think about now. And this is something that I'm hoping hasn't happened yet because I'm trying to pick favourite game of the season. Now, we've had, we've had some corkers this season. We've had some pretty bad ones as well, as, as we well know. But there's been, there's been some great games this season. If you look at the, you know, even the opening day, we had to battle to that 1-0 win after going down to 10 men after seven minutes when Lee Novak uh, got sent off. We beat Bristol Rovers by a goal to nil. We had that superb 4-1 win uh, home to Northampton early on. Rotherham away was on my birthday when we won 2-0. And that was the day I remember saying to, to Ollie Groom after, Right, I believe now I believe that we've got a team that can challenge this year we won 2-0 up there a 4-3 win at Oldham there's, there's been some really some real crackers there but then you go down and think about the 1-0 defeat of Gillingham uh, and that's all being plain sailing um, I mean if you have to pick one maybe the, the, the comeback against Peterborough when we were 2-0 down going into injury time there's so, there has been a lot of good moments if you have to pick a favourite Terry thus far that's, that's, that's a tough one I think 
I, I, maybe because it was more recent. I think the one that sticks in my mind most was the Portsmouth away performance and, and result. I think um, uh, that for for after what we'd seen prior to that, prior to Lebo coming um, in the in the previous three or four weeks, um, and the lowest point was Blackpool away. I think. Um, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably get Portsmouth edges it for me. I think because I think up to that point. Um, We'd sort of, uh, I don't know, promised a lot, but not didn't look like we were going to deliver much. But I think Portsmouth is when I really started to think this this could happen. Mm. Now, if you got a favourite one, I mean, <coughs> how, about, how about the one where we were in the doldrums and all of a sudden we were playing Plymouth, the form team in the side, yeah. and then Lee Bowyer just exploded that's, into that's life. That's exactly what I was going to say. Obviously, my love for Lee is and uh, is well documented. But that was the <laughs> what time. About the police. <laughs> 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 but that was the time when I started to think maybe we can make this now because the weeks beforehand you know though the last few games of Robbo's era wasn't the greatest um, and I think like you said Bo's come in and he sparked us into life I didn't give us a chance against Plymouth because they went on that insane run but that was when I started to think maybe we have got something in our locker and I, I'll, I'm, it was the, the only not the only game but it was the game I remember most going home like absolutely ecstatic because I really thought something had happened and it, we haven't looked back but so that's why for me it was the catalyst of our season mm-hmm. and that's why I'll always think of that game Tom you got you got a favourite I mean you remember like I mean we had that great weekend of course the Easter weekend where we won at Northampton and Rotherham as well um, you know, the, I mean the away win at Shrewsbury was right up for me just because I'd, I'd just about given up and then as the, as the game was going on as I say like the um I didn't think we had actually played that well in the first half going forward. Mm. And then we got when we got that goal and all of a sudden we defended so well, that's when I, again, when I started to believe. But like I said, there's been so many good ones this season. Yeah, I think it's hard, and again, like Tell, because it's so recent, it's hard to look past the, the back-to-back Shrewsbury-Portsmouth week mm. um, because they were both just incredible performances and, and exciting games. And, and obviously the last-minute goal, uh, the Josh McGuinness goal, was a lot of fun. <laughs> Um, but if I think over the whole season I think Bradford away as well um, because that was not somewhere I expected us to get a result mm. obviously I know they'd struggled a bit more at home recently but what their last 40 odd games they'd won 30 something of them so they had a good home record at that stage they were still in with a hunt of playoffs and, and one of the bigger better teams in this division and we went there and we yes it was a scrappy goal but we held our own as I say Ben Amos and the defence that day put in a huge shift and against both Bradford and the, the wind and the rain conditions there that ruined your laptop obviously as well <laughs> yeah. and, and we battled to a, a hard fought 1-0 win so that was one of those results where I thought do you know what we've shown that we can do the ugly dirty stuff that over the last few years we haven't been so good at doing mm. so that one sticks in the mind for me as well and as we're sort of going through this review of the season I'm just, just thinking about a very important part of that season because Michael Zyros just walked past and it reminded me of January um, now we knew going into January you know remember Katrine Mayer left in, in the, the end of December um, there was all these rumours about a takeover that was, when it was announced that she was leaving it was the first time that Duchatelet officially said on the club website that he was getting ready to sell the club everyone was up everyone was happy you know hopefully looking to put this very difficult part of our history behind us all of a sudden now he's selling the club and it's January and we're having a half decent season and we need to buy players but now we're being told that we're not allowed to buy players and we saw I mean we got to deal with Carl and he was fuming and he was he was you know disgusted about what was, what was going on and you know, unfortunately, we're only l- only able to get the likes of Zyro in on loan. Now, I'm not saying he's done badly. Of course, he's been an addition to the squad. But if we could have built on that squad with some permanent signings, people who we knew wanted to come and stay at Charlton for a, a, bit, a bit longer time, I mean, A, do you think Carl Robertson would have stayed? And B, do you think he would have found the right players to bring us in and perhaps have, have made it a bit more comfortable to get into the playoffs? Or maybe you've even tried to catch up with that top two. I'm not sure about the staying bit because um, it was... 
reasonably well reported and documented that uh, um, the owners, whoever they were going to be, would probably want a clean sweep um, when they took over. So um, I think what it might have done, if, if it had been uh, handled quicker, because uh, we're still now what in May and it still hasn't happened, um, if that had happened quicker, I think actually it would have accelerated Robinson going and maybe we'd have got... Better players, probably not the right word, but we certainly got more. Uh, would have got more players and players who uh, who would have been uh, permanent signings rather than loan ones. Mm. I mean, Nathan. I mean, I mean, obviously, we've talked throughout the season about the difference between the two managers. But realistically, do you think if, if Carl had stayed, do you, do you think we'd find ourselves in the position that we're in now, going into a playoff uh, semi-final? No, no. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, no, no, you know nothing against Cole. You know, I, I always said that I didn't mind him, but I think his reluctance to change things um, was his own downfall. And I think, it, it, in a blessing, in a way, not you know not to be horrible, it, he went and and it was just a time for Bose to bring in some fresh ideas. And and it, is, it has changed. No one can def, you know doubt that that it has changed. But I can't see uh, you know if I still envisaged Carl playing his four-two-three-one or whatever you want to call it. Because um, that's the way he is, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the way that Cole wanted to play. Um, and Bose has come in, changed it about a bit. So, yeah, um, yeah. but I, I can still envisage, yeah. Excellent stuff. Right, we're going to wrap up this little segment now. Uh, when, you, when we come back, we're going to be listening, I think, to the, uh, the announcement for Player of the Year. I'm going to wrap it up because Amy's bringing me a cup of tea. Oh, nice. you know it's for I'm you. A bit, I'm, yeah, do you know it's for you? It's very presumptuous. <laughs> keep going, keep going. <laughs> I'm, I bless her, having to make four trips as well. <laughs> Please say, Dan, you're just going to sit and drink it because he thinks it's really good. Charlton Live. The Sports Association's player of the season is Patrick Mack. Since 2010, 
He's in the book, Blue the fans. He's been an outstanding role model for the club. As player, captain, mentor and coach. Not you, Jason, by the way. You don't do a little club. His presence has always been acknowledged by the Valley faithful and his dedication, commitment, passion, energy and enthusiasm for all that his children is celebrating tonight. And uh, I think we've gave it away. It's JJ himself sitting on the top table. barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And lie. So there we have it, the 
2017-18 Player of the Year goes to Jada Silva. Uh, mm. Young Player of the Year went to, to Joe Rebo as well. So, I mean, two very uh, deserving uh, recipients of, of those awards. Yeah, I think it was. We said before it was going to be. It was hard to sort of pinpoint one player, but I mean, there's many games that Jay has been, you know, outstanding for us. I think to, to an extent, he's he was really good last year, and he just seems to have come on leaps and bounds. Um, I mean, quite a lot of the time he gets targeted um, from obviously with the crossfield balls with, with big lumps running at him, but he seems to cope really well, and he's, he's vastly improved this year. And fair play to him, and um, it's just unfortunate he's had that little knocker just a few weeks ago, but. Yeah, I think a well-deserved winner. Yeah, and, we, and we heard about the, the spread of the votes there with, uh, so obviously, uh, Tariq Fosu came second and Jake Forster Cassie came third. But the, the actual percentages in the votes, it was really, really tight. And obviously, there was, there was plenty more votes that, that went to the, to the players that came fur, slightly further down the pecking order as well. Yeah, and I, I don't think that's a, a surprise, really. Like I said earlier, I think you could argue that there were five or six worthy winners of, the, of it this year. Uh, as I said, Ben Amos as well, um, Josh McGuinness for his goals. Yeah, there's players all across the pitch, Pierce. Um, you name them, they've all been brilliant um, and that's why we're where we are as well. Uh, I think Jace thoroughly deserved winner as well and congratulations to him. Um, but yeah, all of them have been have been fantastic this year and, and as we said earlier, the spread just shows that we've got a good group of players at the moment. And of course, finally, um, we heard Johnny Jackson there being given his award. We knew it was going to come at some point this evening. Um, we, we were crying really about him on last week's Sunday evening, Charlton Live, but... Um, you know, as I was saying, I, I think I quite happily seem to be given an award every night for the rest of the, <laughs> the, rest of the season. Really. The, the shock of the century had he not got something tonight. Um, I think we all uh, reasonably expected Johnny to be recognised in, in some way or other. And, uh, and it's fitting that he is because uh, uh, of what he's given us as a, as a player, as a captain, uh, and now an assistant manager. So, uh, yeah, that was a lovely touch. Yeah, and a great speech uh, at the end there from, from Lee Bayer as well there's still there's still plenty more to come this season and uh, I, I love uh, the excitement you could you could clearly hear on uh, on Lee's voice there right we're going to cut off now from from this bit uh, what you're going to hear next is uh, a succession of player interviews we're going to try and get as many as possible before they uh, they all have to go home quite early because of course uh, we've got the game coming up on Thursday but that's what that's what's coming next here on this uh, Charlton Live Player of the Year dinner special Charlton Live we're joined now by the Player of the Year Jay De Silva here on Charlton Live Jay congratulations first of all it's, a, it's an award that's voted for by the fans so how, do, how does it feel? Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for, for all the support. Um, it's a very proud moment for me. Um, I've got a great, great bunch of bunch of players this year um, and a few people that have had great seasons. So um, to win it out of everyone, um, it's a very proud moment and I'm, I'm definitely honoured to, to, to win that. And of course, it's a, it's a very interesting part of your career as well because, of course, on loan from Chelsea, it's not unusual for young players to come out to, to a lower league club to try and gain some experience. So the, the experience that you've got this year is that or something that, that will help you as your career goes forward. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been a very enjoyable season. Um, playing a lot of minutes, um, gaining that experience, and at a great club like Charlton, um, I think I fit right in. So um, yeah, I've enjoyed every minute of it, and um, yeah, it's been a great season. But we uh, we still got a few more pushes to go. Um, try to get to Wembley. And um, gain promotion. That's the that's the main goal. Mm, obviously, as, as the seasons progress, we, we we've had that that little run in the middle of the campaign where it's looking a bit difficult. But since since Lee Bowyer's come in as well, it seems to have found an extra ten percent within the squad to, to push us towards these playoffs at the end of the season. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's a it's a crucial crucial times um, time of the season. I think uh, everyone's noticed that, and um, everyone's found that extra extra ten percent to. Uh, to give to give more and um, yeah we we, uh, we know what we need to do 
um, and everyone's everyone's focused and ready to achieve it. Yeah, a little bit of success last summer, of course, with the the Euros under 19. So you've got you've got that taste now for winning silverware. So is that going to help you as we as we look to try and get towards Wembley? Yeah, well, hopefully. Um, obviously, I love winning. I always have loved winning. So um, I'll do all I can to 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 win as much as I, as much as I can. So yeah, that's the that's the main thing. And finally, of course, obviously, like I say, the, you've won the Player of the Year, but there's a lot of great competition up there. So to, to come out on top of the likes of Jake Forstakowski, Tariq Fosu, Ben Amos, all these players who've, who've done so well this season, it shows that, A, it's, we've got a decent squad this year, but B, that you must have really excelled yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, definitely a, a great squad this year. Um, I'm still pretty shocked, to be honest, um, that I won it. But, yeah, I'm very honoured um, to win out of all, them, all the great players that um, I've played this, this season. Just finally, actually, I mean, thinking about your future now, so obviously you're on loan from Chelsea. I mean, next season, do you see yourself trying to get back out on loan? I'm not sure what your contract situation is with Chelsea. I mean, are you thinking you might try and get back out on loan if Charlton get promoted? Would that be a place that, that could be good for you? Or? Yeah, I think um, I think right now, in this position in my career, I think that would be a good, a good thing to do is to go back out on loan, um, whether it's Charlton or somewhere else um, I, don't, I don't really mind to be honest as long as I'm, as I'm playing um, obviously these uh, last couple loans at Charlton have been great um, I've fit in really well got along with everyone um, so yeah I've really enjoyed my time here so whether it is Charlton or whether it is somewhere else um, I'll be, I'm ready for the new, new challenge yeah, so, I mean just, to, just on Thursday obviously it's a big game what's the uh What's the mood like in the camp? What's it like around the training ground at the moment? Obviously, with big game Thursday and potentially Wembley, what's the, what's the mood like? Um, yeah, I think everyone is aware of how um, how big the game is, um, and that's just making us even more focused, um, more ready to uh, to to achieve um, what we set out to do at the start of the season. Charlton Live. Right now we're joined by Patrick Bowery, who won, did win an award tonight, the China Flick Disabled Supporters Award Player of the Season. So, Patrick, uh, congratulations for that. You must be very proud. Yeah, I just said it there. I didn't really uh, expect a reward today. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted about it. Um, yeah, it's it's nice to be recognised by the supporters. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, because since you've come in over the last couple of years, the supporters have really taken to you and you've become a bit of a fan's favourite. And uh, in particular over the last few weeks where you've built this superb partnership up with, uh, with Jason Pearce and you two have just started clicking together since Pearce has come back from injury, you know, just at the right time, I guess, for us. Yeah, de- definitely. Um, first, uh, the support from the supporters. Uh, I-, I love how they're supporting me, how they're su- supporting the team. And... Uh, I love also the partnership with Jason Pierce and since Lee Boyer took over, we made some tactical switches in the defense and I think it suits us very well and I think the nine or ten games he was in charge, we kept a lot of clean sheets and yeah, this is the reward for the hard work. And obviously with Thursday coming up against Shrewsbury, we know perhaps what to expect from them. There's been two very physical, tough battles, so you're going to have to be right your very best um, on, on Thursday to, to face a, a very difficult Shrewsbury team. Yeah, definitely. We, we know that. Uh, we started uh, to work on them uh, today at the training ground. We have two more sessions. Uh, I think for Thursday we will be uh, perfect prepared, but uh, yeah, we, we know what is coming. We played twice against the season. We lost once. We, we won one one and uh, yeah, it will be a tough fight. And over the course of the last few weeks, what do you think it is that Lee Bowyer has brought to the squad that's helped us you know, get back on this good run just as we approach the end of the season? Um, 
when, when Liboyer uh, came came in, uh, he, he said uh, he'd like to play with uh, two strikers. I think this was a, a change of the system. I, I think start uh, it suited us really well. We we got good results. We scored more goals. Um, but also um, defensive work. We, we started uh, to work um, more on uh, defensive shapes uh, with Chaco also, and uh, yeah, it, it suited us. We kept more clean sheets, and I think it's also fundamental that that on uh, some positions you, you have these uh, solid partnerships, and uh, he, he kept them over the, the last ten games, and I, I think. Uh, you can see that, that we are doing well. And obviously it's a, it's a member of the back four that's won the player of the year this season in J.D. Silver. I mean, how, how much do you enjoy playing alongside him? Yeah, definitely. He's an amazing player. He's, he's, uh, he's very good. He had a great season. Uh, the last few weeks uh, he, he didn't uh, play so much, uh, also because he had an injury. And uh, in his when he was uh, away, uh, Louis Page did a great job. But, but uh, yeah, as always when he was on the pitch uh, he, he made uh, good games and uh, I, I love to play with him Do you think that having Jason Pearce and yourself playing regularly over the last 10 games has helped? Because I know earlier in the season there were a few injuries and people kept coming in and out so over the last 10 games do you think the fact that you've been able to play lots of games together has that helped? I think uh, it's always good uh, uh, to keep uh, good uh, relations, especially in the centre back position, and uh, yeah, like you said, we played the last few weeks always together, and uh, I think uh, we, we showed uh, that that we are in good form together, and uh, yeah, we, we really enjoy to play with each other. And you're going into Thursday with a lot of confidence. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, um, if you see our last. Uh, our form lately, uh, we, we, we show good results. We beat them three, three weeks ago. We, we know what is, uh, what is facing us on Thursday. And we, we go with a lot of confidence and we want to get promoted. Charlton Live. Well, we're joined now here on Charlton Live by the Young Player of the Year for 2017-18, Joe Rebo. Joe, congratulations you uh, on your award, um, Valley Gold Awards, obviously coming up through the academy via Stainstown. You must be very proud. Uh, yeah, um, like... At first, first coming, that was difficult. Like just thinking, am I as good as everyone else here? But like, I'm just happy with this award. Like it's given me that kind of assurance and relief to get the award. So yeah, I'm very happy. I remember when you when you came in sort of midway through last season and you had that superb start. I think you had, you had a few assists, didn't you? Quite quite early on, and then yeah, yeah this season in particular, you've really started to stake a claim for your place over the last couple of months. And yeah. uh, you know, just at the right time as well. With, 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 I think the likes of Cashy out injured and Charlton looking for someone in the midfield who could could really sort of drive us on, and the results have improved as well. So yeah. you, you must be very happy with how that's gone. Um yeah. It's come with a bit of luck, like you say, with like injuries. I've had to wait and bide my time. So when I've got the chance, I've just thought I have to just take the chance that I get. And then, yeah, so... Um, when you look at some of the people who've won the awards that you've won this evening over the last few years, like I think Addy Lookman's won it, I think Joe Gomez has won it. I mean, to, to be up amongst those sort of names, you must be really, really happy with that because you, you look at the careers that those players are going on to have as well. Yeah. You know, in such a young age to, 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 to win that award, does that just sort of give you the confidence to think, oh, I can really go somewhere with my career now? Yeah, it um, definitely gives me the confidence. Like, I literally didn't know until like I saw um, the shield. And then I saw the names, I was like, wow, like, there's actually big names on it. So, yeah, like, it does give me a lot of confidence. 
Obviously, Lee Bowyer himself came up through the through the Charlton Academy as a youngster. So, I mean, are you able to take a lot of you know, wisdom and experience from what he's uh, he, yeah. he's achieved in his time at Charlton and therefore in his career after? Yeah, um, even before he was the gaffer, like he would, I would do one to ones with him. So, like it's just always been like that with him, especially where he was a midfielder as well. So, like I just feel like I can take a lot from his game to improve my game. So, yeah, it's like. Obviously, we're all, we're all sort of in a slightly different Player of the Year situation this year because it's not the end of the season. Normally, yeah. we have this at the end of the season, but Charlton fans are still itching to, to get on to Thursday now. We, yeah. can't, we can't wait for it. I mean, how, how are you feeling ahead of the game? Are you feeling nervous, confident? Um, yeah, nerves are natural, but I'm feeling confident. Like, I feel like if we go there and we battle, we give 100%, we can beat anyone. So... Yeah, I'm feeling quite confident. Mm. So obviously, with the, with the two games we had against Shrewsbury as well, we know it's going to be a very physical yeah. battle. Um, we, we went there a few weeks ago. Mm. Me and Tom were at the game and enjoyed a, a, re, a really good win. I mean, you know, yeah. you know what what we're going to expect from this yeah. team. You know what we're going to expect from them. Like it's, yeah. going to, it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, definitely. Um, we have to battle. That's the main thing. We just have to go out there and battle first, earn the right to play. And then that's what we'll do next. Charlton Live. We're joined now on Charlton Live by the man who's uh, taken us to the playoffs, Lee Bowyer. Thanks for thanks for coming to join us. First of all, uh, this evening's Pro of the Year award's gone to Jade Silva. I mean, there's, there's so many possible candidates it's gone to, but but Jay's had a great season, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's been outstanding all season. Obviously, he had that little injury probably about a month ago. He was out for a little bit, but apart from that, he's he's unreal. He knows how I feel about him. He, he's he's a top professional and a really, really nice fellow and putting that aside, he's got so much ability and um, he, he's definitely going to go a long way in the game. And you can see by how close the percentages was for all the for all the different players that there, there was plenty to pick from this season, which I just goes, goes to show that Charlton's squad this season got a fair bit of quality in it, isn't it? Well, yeah, for, for sure. Like, and The thing that stood out for me is we're all left-footed. <laughs> <laughs> the, the top three were all left-footed, so... Uh, but I think Ben, uh, the keeper's been outstanding, especially of late, you know. So uh, he's just got better and better as the season's gone on. So, again, you could go through, like, in the time I've been in charge, then I think six or seven of the games, I couldn't have told you a man in a match, you know. That's how, how good they've been for me. And uh, But, yeah, no, over the season... J.D. Silva's been outstanding. Yeah. Now, of course, I was talking to you in, in the tunnel at Rochdale on Thursday, and you said, um, you know, on, on Saturday, sorry, we'll, we'll put Saturday's game behind us because you know that this this coming Thursday, it's, it's a huge task, and the performances that we've put in over the last ten games, you know that your team are going to be up for it. Yeah. Well, there was. What, what did anyone want me to say? Anything negative about the players when they've just got to the playoffs? How can you say anything negative? Mm. Okay, they wasn't the best on on Saturday, but. I think it, it's a difficult situation when you know you're there. You don't want to run around, get injured. And, and Shrewsbury would have been the same when they played MK. Like they, they wouldn't have lost MK if they had to win that game. We would have probably beat Rochdale if we needed to win that game. So, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I know for 100% is on Thursday, you see a completely different team to what you see on Saturday. And with the effort and, and, and the fight. So, that that's going to... Without saying. And how's the preparations been going so far? Yeah, it was good. Sunday they, they had a day off Sunday, so they were arrested, um, and then we had them in today, and didn't do too much with the ones that started. But the ones that didn't start, they trained like a normal day. Tomorrow we're in tomorrow morning, and um, 
and tomorrow and Friday are two important days. Uh, tomorrow and Friday, tomorrow and Wednesday, because it's a Thursday game. I'm thinking Thursday, Friday. So, um, yeah. So the next two days are the important days for preparation-wise. Of course, we heard the, the great ovation you got from the supporters when when you came down this evening. Obviously, over your your ten games is. Perhaps Charlton fans might have been looking at, 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 at the end of Robinson's spell and we were just sort of going slightly off the boil and Charlton fans were wondering, are we going to be able to find something within the squad? But you, you found something within the squad to, to, to take us over the line and you, you said it at the start when you came and you promised us we were going to be in the playoffs and it's happened. I mean, well, can, can you put down to what, what you changed slightly that this, this happened? Just to, to believe in themselves and because we've got a great squad of players. Like how many different players have I used? And they've all put in their own, their own bit, you know. How many different goal scorers have we had? You know, like for me, it was making them believe in themselves and, and bringing them together. Because and and I've been honest with them, and I told them like from the second I walked in and, and was in charge, I said, look, we I won't accept anyone playing for themselves. You, you play as a team, and and that's the most important thing because that's how you go and win things. And and I wouldn't accept anything less than that. And then all of a sudden. They took on board what I was saying, and then and then I, I I wanted them to fight for each other and, and be one, and, and that's what they are now. They're a completely different animal from when I first took over. So the, the togetherness that you see now, week in week out, apart from uh, Scunthorpe and apart from uh, Saturday, then they, they've been outstanding, and I have no doubt whatsoever that Thursday they, they will be the same. And now, when I was speaking to Jay De Silva earlier, I was talking about how, for him as a young player, the, the experience of what we're going through at the moment will, will, will be great for his career going forward. Now, you're a, you're a young manager. You're, you're, your first spell as a caretaker manager. So to be involved in such important games at this stage of the season, is, is that something that you're thinking, well, this is really building my, uh, my CV almost, if, if, if you're sort of half thinking about maybe going to management full-time? Yeah, this has nothing to do with me. I'm put, Obviously... The we're doing well, but it's down to the lads and the fans. You know, like the fans have played a massive part as well. We're at Portsmouth, we just went to Shrewsbury on a Tuesday night and worked our socks off, and then we had hardly anything. And then we had no time to recover for Portsmouth away, which is a, probably a, the, the hardest place to go in the division with their home fans. So our fans have helped, and for me, it's not about me and my CV or anything like that. I'm just grateful that I've got this opportunity. Obviously, I am, but. The most important thing for me is, is to get this club back in the championship, and, and I've said that all along. And, and like everyone says, I, I just speak the truth, and I'm, I, I said we'll get to the playoffs, and, and we have. And, and I've said that I don't think anyone will beat us over two legs. I honestly don't think they will. I think we'll we're, we're beat Shrewsbury over the two legs, but Shrewsbury it's a different challenge because how competitive it's going to be. It's just going to be a physical, physical game, home and away. So as long as we stand up and, and, and be counted and, and stick together, then I think we'll we come out on top. And do you think the fact that we've, we've beaten them quite recently we, we could give us an edge? Yeah, because we, we went and done to them what they've done to us here and no one else has done that to them at their place. So Thursday's important, but then they know what we've done to them at their place. So then I think we will have an advantage, but they, they will think the same. You know, at the end of the day, it, it's two teams that are going to be going out there and battling and... and the best team will win. You talk about the belief and togetherness that you've given the side, and I think you see the fans react to that as well. You think of Blackburn at home, but you say Portsmouth and Shrewsbury away. How important are the fans going to be on Thursday night as well? Well, they're massive. Like I've said all along, that I don't think the fans realise what a bigger part they've. Like I've 
big a part they play. I, I've played at clubs and that, they make a massive difference, you know. Like they, and Portsmouth are probably only the reason why they are where they was is because of their home fans. No other reason because I don't think they was they was that good of a team. But their fans, it's an amazing thing. Like you just see them lift, and at Blackburn, you must have seen it yourselves. I don't know if you was there, but you'd have seen yourselves. There was times when we was on the back foot against Blackburn. There were teams which had been promoted, but then our fans seemed to realise that and notice that, and then they started seeing it. And then we we got out of that situation and we come through it. So fans are massive for any club. So yeah. Or, but especially here, we, we definitely need them on uh, on Thursday. Charlton Live. Right, joining us now on Charlton Live, Jacko. Um, I've talked I've talked to you many times over the last few years, but the, the last couple I found a little bit emotional actually, knowing that it's coming to the end of your yeah. your playing career. And, you, and first of all, you got a nice award today that you weren't expecting, but I mean, once again, shows how much the, the fans think of you. Yeah, complete surprise actually. Took me um, caught me off guard. Um, when they said uh, been here since 2010, I thought oh, that might be me. <laughs> and then they said a few more things, and I was like, no, that is me. Um, yeah, I didn't know it was coming, so it was a lovely surprise. Didn't have a speech prepared, so uh, <laughs> you have to think on your feet. Hopefully, uh, another one where I thought I might lose it, but I held it together. So um, yeah, like like you said, it's an emotional time for, for myself mm. as well. So um, it's been yeah, it's been a great it's been a great run. It's been a great great week as well. You know, the uh, send off last week. Obviously, again on on Saturday at Rochdale, uh, and then tonight as well. So. Yeah, and as we were speaking on Saturday, I was sort of joking. It's going to be a very different player of the year this season, but it's because we're we're still involved in 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 a big game that's coming up. So it's, it's been a bit of more of a, a relaxed evening for you. But it just, I mean, with the game that's coming up, I mean, how how are you feeling at the moment? Are you feeling nervous? Are you feeling? Yeah, I, I am feeling nervous. Like I was just talking to Terry there off camera, and um, I get. I get more nervous now than I ever did when I was playing. Um, strange, I suppose it's because once once the game started, you probably feel mm. a little bit helpless. A bit powerless, yeah. Um, yeah, you can do, obviously your, all your work's done really as a coach and um, you do everything in the week on the training pitch and you, I mean, you can affect little things from the side and at half before and at half time and stuff like that. But really, it's sort of your work's done and it's over to the players then. Um, so I think, yeah, I think the nerves come from being a little bit helpless I'd much rather just be out there and then you know that you can uh, pop up at the last minute like <laughs> yeah, yeah so well we're, um, we're not ruling that out yet of oh, course no, exactly. I mean, again as we said on, on Saturday I mean, there's still that dream that, that, that could happen that it could happen at Wembley you get a 500th appearance but before then you, you've obviously got to plan now for, for Thursday we've seen Shrewsbury a couple of times this season now two very different games perhaps uh, for, for Charlton fans I mean how, how's the preparation going you, I guess you already know what to expect from, from them yeah I mean having having played them a couple of times we know what they're about we know what to expect obviously we'll be watching their, you know, their last couple of performances to see what they're doing whether they're doing anything different um, and preparing for that today was pretty light because obviously lads are two days after a game we got a little bit of work into the lads who didn't, who weren't involved, or, or didn't didn't get many minutes. Uh, and then tomorrow, all the focus will be tactical stuff, preparing preparing for Shrewsbury. Uh, it's the equivalent equivalent of a Thursday of a normal week, which is your big day of doing all your your match press prep stuff, really. So um, tomorrow will be a, an important day out there. Everyone, that's why they need to get off early tonight, <laughs> get their resting, uh, no boozing, fully focused. Uh, on the job at hand and we've been sort of um, you know 
as fans talk about how, we, how we're feeling nervous and, and stuff and as a player does, I mean do you allow that to affect you and, and the squad themselves I mean because if you look at the the run we've had over the last 10 games in particular under Bowie I mean you know, we're not really counting Saturday. Um, you know, if you look at the games before that, we're one of the form teams going into that playoffs. Oh yeah, we're definitely one of the form sides. Um, as far as the occasion and the nerves, I think that, that very much comes down to the individual. Um, I think if you're playing well, obviously it helps, and you're you're in a good place as, as a side. We're really confident um, in what we're doing, but obviously the the, the longer the further it goes now, the more pressure becomes on every game. And uh, that becomes down to the individual, yeah. Like, like I said, I, I get more nervous now than I ever did when I was playing. Um, I didn't really, yeah, I probably felt a little bit of pressure, but I didn't like get too nervous before games. Uh, whereas now I do. <laughs> so um, that's just, that's how I deal with it now. Obviously, every player is different. A um, little bit of nerves never never hurts. I don't think keeps you focused, keeps you on your toes. Um, obviously you don't want them to consume you mm. um, but we've had like you say over the past five six weeks we've had a lot of high pressure games you know mm. you look at Portsmouth away when it was like a bit of a shootout between us and them for that for that sixth spot at the time and uh, thought we handled it we handled it much better than they did on the day mm. so the lads have been in that environment already so they know what to expect of course we should probably mention that we're here for the player of the year award it's Jada Silva who's won it but there's plenty of viable candidates out there this season who could have had it oh. well I'll be honest I thought um, to not see Ben Amos in the top three was a bit of a surprise to me I think he's been outstanding um, maybe I'm guilty of focusing a bit of my attention towards the back boys of late because <laughs> somehow become the uh, defensive coach uh, I didn't do much of that when I was playing um, but yeah a lot of my focus has been on them so I'm, I'm looking at Ben as part of that unit looking at Piercy and Pat and uh, I think I spoke about it before but I think uh, Jason Pierce since he's come back into the side has been an absolute rock for us back there and I think he drags the level of performance out of all the other lads back yeah. there uh, I think they play better when they've got Piercy alongside them screaming and shouting at them and making sure that they're on it so for me another viable candidate Bauer Jada Silva a worthy winner yeah, I was going to ask you about that because obviously you say you've been working with the back four there and as one of the more mature players in the squad and also coaching now does that give you a lot of pride to see someone young and a part of that back four you've been working with to get that award it does yeah and uh, I've been impressed with that that boy since since the moment he stepped in the door last season I remember there was a there's a long period where he didn't play and his attitude was was unbelievable. For someone who wasn't playing, um, wasn't getting much opportunity, a lot of the time it would be me and him after games doing our running, just us two, because I, I wasn't really involved and, and he wasn't getting any opportunity. Mm-hmm. And he didn't once ever moan, um, which I found amazing. Um, for someone that young who was on loan and from a big club and probably expecting to play and mm-hmm. not getting that game time, he just got on with it. He knuckled down. And when his opportunity came, he, he grabbed it. He grabbed it. He hasn't really looked back since, barring, barring the few injuries that he's had. Um, obviously, curtailed it a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean, a credit to credit to Chelsea, credit to himself. I think he's been it's been brilliant for us, and yeah, he's 
you know, he deserves the plaudits because he's a, he's a great lad too. And you talk about attitude as well. Obviously, Mark Marshall in an interview the other day said he came in and worked when he wasn't getting in the team trying to work. It's something we've seen across the whole team this year. Is that what you put down, the reason we've made the playoffs, down to that attitude? Because obviously you've been here a long time, but the last three or four years, perhaps we've had players that have come in, not shown that desire and commitment yeah. that we've seen from this group. Yeah, it's a big part of it. It's a big part of it. I think I think there's a lot of abil- ability in that changing room and that's, that's probably the first and foremost. But without that work ethic doesn't take you very far and uh, I think to have success in any squad you have to have that and we 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 have got that we've got that in abundance like like you say Marshy perfect example of it not always gone his way this season been in and out of the side <laughs> always out there you know working on his game even though he's probably 30 plus is he Marshy what are you 30 um, still keen to learn picks my brains about things try and help him where I can um, doesn't think he knows it all or that he can't get better even at that age so Credit, yeah, again, credit due, but I think that is, yeah, that's a perfect example of the attitude that we've got in this squad. Lads who want to work hard, who want to improve, and they want to drag um, standards up around them. I think that's important that um, that you have players that demand from each other as well. Um, and the squad almost manages itself on, on that front. Just, just merging the two on defence and um, and hard work. I mean, since for me personally, since Pearcey's come back. He's just an absolute warrior, and it just seemed when we like we spoke to Pat earlier as well of the partnership that they've obviously formed now in the recent weeks, and to, like you say, we, we're not you can't see us losing over two legs, as Bose was saying. Um, how, you know how important and how drilled are they, are they in training? Because obviously it just doesn't happen overnight, so you must have worked with them a lot. Yeah, we we we, we work hard on it, and um, yeah, I, I like to think that I'm quite tough on them. <laughs> But I think it's, it's important, especially in, de- in defence, you know, forward plays obviously a lot more, you want it to be freer, mm-hmm. you know, you want to give them licence, yeah. whereas the defensive side of it is more drilled. Mm-hmm. They, they haven't got licence to do what they want, they have to <laughs> be sort of regimented if you like, and they buy into it, and, but having someone like Piercy there makes your job as a coach so much easier, because you know the information that you're giving to him that he's taking on board and that he's going to make sure that everyone around him is doing it but I mean they all take it on board to be fair to them they're great and they buy into what you know what I'm asking and it's not it, listen it's nothing nothing they haven't seen before but um, even when you're getting them clean sheets I think it's important to just right well, it doesn't matter we're still doing the same thing you know we're not coming off it now because we've got a clean sheet we keep doing it we keep doing it um, and I think we've only you know we've only conceded five goals in, yeah, the, in the ten yeah. games and I like to point out that one of them was offside. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, and uh, Patrick slipped on one of them, and that uh, Piercy shortchanged the goalie with a, with a backheader on one of them. So, uh, so effectively, like, we conceded no goals in, in, in ten well, games. We'll give, it's all we'll down give, to you, uh, We'll give the guy at Rochdale his, his credit. Yeah. He's quite pleased that he scored that goal. Yeah. Um, no, but it, listen, it's down to the lads. They've been they've been unbelievable. And like you say, they've been warriors and they throw their bodies on the line sometimes it's just down to that you can't coach that sometimes it's that desire to keep the ball, ball out of the net so and you've either got it or you haven't and, and they've got it so if, considering you're a defence coach are you, who's taking credit for uh, Jason Pierce's finish is that you or both it's me as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right Jacko you, ne- you, you need to get off to bed and get rested up for the playoff final so uh, we're going we're gonna to let you go cheers, cheers for that Charlton Live 
Right, joining us now on Charlton Live, we've got Kit Graham, Grace Coombs and Charlie Clifford from the Charlton Athletic women's team. Uh, it's been another successful season for the women's team. Obviously, it's, it's not over yet, but um, first bit of silverware yes, uh, in the, the Capital Cup. Kit, I'll start with you. 2-1 um, win over Palace. You must be delighted to get, to get your first trophy on the ball for the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we were a bit disappointed with the, uh, the West Ham game. Uh, we had a point to prove that to ourselves mainly that, um, that we, we could go out and we could get our first piece of silverware and we did that yesterday, we did it confidently. And against Palace as well, which all Charlton fans will be pleased to hear. Yeah, we've got a, a lot of ex-players that play for them, so it's always good to mm. be Now, of course, it's, it's been an amazing season uh, for, for the women this year, but for you personally, you passed your, your 200 games over at Arsenal. Uh, me and me and Nath came up to, to, to that game to watch that one. You, you haven't quite got your 200 goals yet, but we're, we're, I'm sure that'll come within the next few days. Yeah, I'm nearly there, <laughs> nearly there. And, um, but, I mean, so you've been at Charlton for so long, um, and I hope, I hope this doesn't sound awful, but... Have you not ever been tempted to try and go and play at a higher level? Because every time I've seen you play, you, see, you seem like a step above um, some of the opponents we've had this season. Um, no, like, I've, I've always been here ever since I was little, so Charlton's all I know, really. Um, there's, it's such a family vibe. They've always been good to me as a club, um, and I just try and repay that, really. Mm. Now, um, obviously this season, um, you, you're, you're challenging for the, the title. You're also... <laughs> You know, also applied to, to for promotion to the championship. Um, I mean, how? I mean, be, the best way to do it as players, I guess, would be to, to win the league and then to win the playoff as well. So, um, Grace, would I mean, how, how do you fancy your chances with just a couple of games left to go? Uh, we're in a really good position. So I think we need mathematically one point from three games. Um, so it's all in our own hands. We're just trying to focus on one game at a time. Hopefully, get there and then obviously got a big playoff game. And obviously, I guess winning, winning is sort of a sort of a habit once once you get into it because it has been such a successful season. Is it just the, the fact that you've had so much momentum to take you through the campaign that's helped you just keep keep on going? Uh, yeah, I think so. So we had a really good start to the season. I think we won our first eight games, um, and then we had a couple of weeks where we lost a couple of games in the league, went a little bit off track, but we managed to pull that back and. I think we've lost two cup games or three cup games since then, so momentum definitely helps. I think, like I said, it brings confidence within the team, and the more you win, the more everyone's enjoying it, and that's when you play the tournament. Charlie, what do you think has been like the, the, the key to the success this, this season? I think that. Um We've been so much more together this season, so as a team, everyone feels that they can get on well with everybody, um, where it might not have been like that in previous years. Um, but as well, not just the, the players, but the coaches as well, so everyone, with the coaches, everyone's all, all gets on very well. Um, so I just think that's what about Ratish as, as a manager as well? We, we speak to him quite a lot throughout the season to, to, to get an update on, on how, how you're doing. And you know, he seems like a, a fairly confident chap, and, and uh, he's obviously done done wonders with you with you over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think that with him being an ex player as well, so that helps, um, and because he's young as well, so he he knows how we feel, um, and everyone just gets on well with him as well. So, but when he needs to be harsh, he's going to be harsh. Uh, but he does love the sound of his own voice as well, so he will. <laughs> yeah. um, so finally, we, we talked about that Arsenal FA Cup game. Obviously, it was, it was a great run to, to get up to the quarterfinals. Um, the, the lowest ranked team left at that stage as well. Kit, I mean, uh, 
to, to, to play against players of that level, I mean, it, even though it ended up 5-0, I mean, that was definitely not a fair scoreline from what, from what we saw. But, I mean, it must be a great experience to play against, you know, one of the best teams in Europe. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we got lucky with a few draws, like drawing Cardiff against all odds that we pulled out, pulled out them in the hat. But, um, yeah, like, it, was, it was always going to be a test of how much work we could put into it. Our, our build-up to the game... We trained so hard and it was literally defend for our lives basically and, and that's what we did and in the end they scored three late goals and, and yeah, fitness in the end. So obviously going forward, the, the club have put in this bid for to, to go up into the championship, I mean how important would that be for the club if they can make that step up, if, if it doesn't come through promotion, like if they can go up you know, via, via, via the draw or wherever it is? Um, I think it would be great. We've been here since we were really young uh, when the team were one of the best teams in the country. Um, so I think that's been cool. I think we say put in the club back where it probably should be. would be a great achievement. And yeah, They've been a successful club in history and what happened happened. It would be great to just get their names back up there and try and make it one of the best teams in the country again. And there was over 40,000 fans at the FA Cup final on Saturday. Uh, obviously Arsenal, who, who beat you, got to the final. But um, I mean... I mean women's football for us I mean it's something that we've started watching over the last few years um, it seems like in particular after England got to, got to the World Cup final as well it seems like it's getting more and more popular um, I mean, do, you, do you feel that the fans are really starting to, to get involved with it now? Yeah I think that even in the WSL 1 and 2 the, the crowds there have started to improve as well um, and obviously getting 45,000 at that game every little helps and obviously with the England team doing so well it's broadcasted everywhere um, so everyone's more aware of everything now um, so hopefully it will start to improve again for us as well as a club as well. Excellent well good luck for the rest of the season I've, I'm no doubt that you're going to win the league but hopefully in the playoffs as well you'll be up there next season. So, well Charlton Live. Right, we're joined now by Gene and Ian, the organisers of the, the Player of the Year dinner. It's been another superb event. Um, obviously, slightly different this year because it's not quite the end of the, of the season because we've got something extra coming as well. But, Gene, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, after a little hiatus, it's, it's great to be back and to, to share this, uh, this evening with the players. Yeah, definitely. I think it was worth waiting for in a sense. Um, I'm sure a few people missed it last year, but it was kind of. There's more to look forward to when, when you do miss one, I think, in mm. a sense. And, of course, the way things have gone the last few weeks, the impetus has sort of grown and uh, more than we ever thought it would, obviously. Yeah, I guess the, the excitement's been pretty palpable throughout the evening because, like we said, with, with the playoffs still to come, it, it feels like, you know, what a great time for, for everyone to come together and just to wish the players all, all the best for what's coming up over the next few days. Yeah, definitely. And also, I think another thing people wanted to come for was to say goodbye to Jacko, mm. uh, which was a very emotional time really yeah yeah I've uh, struggled with that over the last few weeks as well Ian I mean there's so much hard work goes into into what you've done uh, to, to get this dinner up and running so I mean you must be really happy with how it's gone this evening very very happy I think uh, Adja Brown was a definite uh, advantage to us he's so such a funny man yeah. but uh, we yeah we were very happy with the way it went as you I'm sure know we got um, a message through from Lee Bowie yesterday saying we'd got to finish much earlier than originally scheduled, which put us under a bit of pressure. But actually, I think, looking back on it, I think it, it tightened the event up because it, it meant we'd really got to get on with it and we couldn't have a lot of waffle. 
And in fact, in the end, we were only about 10 minutes later than, than he wanted, so it worked out fine. It is a great event for the fans to get to mix with the players, because obviously we don't always get the chance to do that, and it's, so it's great that the players are happy to come and, and spend their evening with the fans as well. Um, they seem to enjoy it almost as much as we do. We've got such a good bunch of lads here at the moment. All the people, all the guests were saying that you know everyone's very approachable and just you know like one of our own kind of thing, if, if to coin a phrase really, mm. which is great. So right, I'm starting to look ahead to the next few days. I mean, I'm absolutely nervous. How are you guys feeling? Excited, I think, as much as nervous. Um, I don't think two weeks ago we thought we'd got much chance after I went home from the Scunthorpe home game. As far as mentally, I'd written it off completely. I mean, I don't think many people in the ground that day would have thought we were going to win the next three games, or to all of which were hard ones. So really, we've, we've come out of nothing. And uh, I think if you look back through history, the teams that do well in the playoffs are usually the ones who have got momentum going when they come in. And uh, when we, 20 years ago, we came in on the back of nine consecutive clean sheets. And, uh, OK, it's not quite like that, but we are still coming in, you know, on a, on a roll. Excellent. Well, uh, thanks to both of you for all your hard work uh, getting this event going, and thanks for having us as well. We've, uh, we've really enjoyed being here and, and uh, getting to speak to the players and whatnot, and hopefully this time next year we'll be a player of the year in the championship that we'll be talking about. It'll be really and good. I, and I hope thank we'll be here too. Yeah, yeah. thank you for doing it with us. Charlton Live. Right, we're now coming to the end of our Charlton Live Player of the Year, doing a special for 2017-18. It's been a, a great event here at the Valley. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Really uh, grateful to all the players and, and, and of course, the manager, uh, Lee Bayer, who's joined us uh, on this evening, um, and, and Jeannie and Ian there, who we've just heard right at the end, who've, who've organised a, a superb deal. I also want to say uh, thanks to the club as well, who've uh, put up the, the players to interview uh, for us this evening. Um, it's, it's, been a, it's been a really nice evening, hasn't it, chaps? Yeah, it's been fantastic. Yeah, the first time I've been, um, great experience and, and as we said earlier, a worthy winner. But I think the whole squad this year, I think we've been much luckier than we've been in recent years to have a squad. And Jacko said it in his interview, the togetherness that they show. Boya said it too, the characters that we've got. Um, it's more like a Charlton that I think we have become accustomed to previously. We've perhaps lost a little bit in the last three or four years, but I think they're well and truly back. And let's hope there's just uh, two or three, or, well, three more games to, uh, to really show what they're all about. Right, the, this dinner was sort of a nice block between the end of the actual season and the playoffs. There's a nice distraction. Now we're coming to the end of the podcast and it's just hit me that I'm really, really, really nervous <laughs> yeah. about, about the game coming up on Saturday. I've been nervous um, since last Saturday. Yeah. yeah. The Algeria Santa I was nervous as soon as the full-time whistle went <laughs> and I still had a night in Manchester. But yeah, I've not stopped thinking about it. Mm. Um, I don't know how I'm going to manage... <laughs> I really don't. I really don't know how I'm going to manage on Thursday, but mm. I'll have to, just like every other fan. But an early goal will be lovely. If not, then well, we're, and we're going there Sunday as well, which is going to be even more horrible in a way. <laughs> so we just listen. It's better than just mulling in what mid-table. So we've got to try and embrace it and be as confident as obviously we look like Bose was in, the, in his interview earlier. So. And Terry, I mean, yeah, you, I mean I'll be, you've got to commentate on it. <laughs> exactly, I don't. I have no idea how that's going to go at all. So I apologise in advance. I think it's probably the best thing I can do. I've spent most of the evening uh, thinking, well, you know, and, and Tom was bang on it, by the way. Um, it, it, it does feel more like Charlton. The last, um, the last few months since Lee Bowie has taken over has felt more like Charlton. Now, all right, you could say, well, that's because it's coincided with the swinging games of football, and I'm sure there's an element of that. But even, even without that, I think we've just felt a little bit more together as a, as a club 
uh, and as a fan base. So I've been trying to convince myself that uh, if it doesn't go well, at least we got that. <laughs> but I haven't actually, uh, <laughs> not at all. No, we, so, need, we need that winner at Wembley, don't <laughs> absolutely. we? Absolutely. I mean, it's all right. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's been lovely to speak to the players when they're sober. Um, <laughs> but uh, so it has been a shorter night. But um, I think what, what's good to see is that the, they all they all seem at least focused, mm. uh, and they all get what's at stake. And if uh, if Lee Bay was a man motivating you, you'd be playing. Oh yeah, he? he's uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's certainly one who who can get you going right. Just before we end the show, now I was uh, tweeted by Andrew Buckland during the week. Um, I was uh, I was uh, asking for some sponsorship for my bike club, which I've talked about quite a few times over over the course of the podcast. And he said he'd give me twenty five quid, but he'd double it if during the Charlton Live podcast from the Player of the Year dinner I get some phrases in. So I'm just going to cheat and do them all now. <laughs> so I have to say Roger Johnson. So I've said Roger Johnson, and he said he'll double it if I can get Roland out and see how patient I was. So I've been patient waiting for Roland out. There you go, Andrew. You now owe me 50 quid. <laughs> so if you want to donate for that, so thanks for I'm that. assuming he didn't put any rules in this. <laughs> no, I told him I told him I'd cheat. Uh, and I, I met him very briefly earlier tonight, so thanks for that. Right, so we're coming to the end of it. Um, don't forget, this is uh, this has gone out on, on your podcast feed. Uh, because we were here at the Valley on Monday night, we didn't do our Love Sport show. That's going to be on Wednesday night this week. So if you tune in Love Sport Radio Wednesday night at 9 o'clock, uh, I'll be there with uh, Aaron Paul, hopefully. Um, we won't be doing a pre-match preview on Thursday because we've got something on. Yeah, where is that? Yeah. I'm free. I'm free. <laughs> Busy in the studio. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so we won't be that. We won't even be doing a show on Sunday. So I'll tweet at some point if we do a show maybe early next week if sort we get to Wembley. If we don't, Wembley if we don't, you'll never see me again. <laughs> right, thanks for joining us. Uh, Terry Smith. Cheers, guys. Nathan Cheers. Muller, Tom Cheers, Wallin. Sorry. I've been Louis Mendes. This has been the Charlton Live Player of the Year dinner special for 2017-18. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Thanks for listening all the way to the end if you've got this far because it's going to be a long one this evening. Uh, but I hope you've enjoyed it. Just think... Thursday evening, lads. Could be halfway to Wembley. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.